0: I'm author and critic David Agronoff. I'm a horror and science fiction author, critic, and researcher. In this podcast, I wanted to provide in-depth interviews and panel discussions with everyone from New York Times bestselling authors to researchers, musicians, and anyone I find interesting. Welcome to Postcards from a Dying World. And welcome to Postcards from a Dying World. I have a special guest for you today, uh, appropriately in darkness m- almost. Uh, John Bukowski is a musician and uh, music nerd, I would say, um, yeah. of the highest order. Uh, John, you—I uh, know you played in Ebony Sorrow, but you've played in a bunch of bands. I can't even begin to to say how many bands you've played in over the years. But uh, you're a guitar player, musician, and one of the like uh, biggest um, heavy metal uh, nerds I know. So what we're really going to do today is talk about metal and your podcast, A Dangerous Meeting, because um, I, I want to promote it and promote what you're doing. We go back uh, a long time. We met in, in uh, the real world when I lived in Syracuse. You live in Syracuse, Syracuse. John Bukowski, tell the folks who you are and what you do.
1: Uh, Basically, I am just, I am, like you said, I am a heavy metal nerd, and I'm actually still doing Ebony Sorrow all these years later. Like, we've been a band for like 22 years now, which is kind of fucking crazy to say out loud. Um, But other than that, you know, I run like a small record label here and there, and um, I just, I, I drive around and nerd out with my, I work with people with developmental disabilities, and I do a lot of my music listening there. Um, so sometimes my guys like it and other times they, they give me a look like I'm absolutely insane.
0: <laughs> uh, I, well, you know, I'm in the same field uh, for the day job and uh, I have done that before too. Um, I have, out uh, of, you know, sometimes I've told the kids, Hey, if you don't calm down in the, in the van, I'm going to play misery index. So, uh, you know, <laughs> prepare yourself. Um, but yeah, uh you, Ebony Sorrow, for people who don't know, is a pretty crazy hybrid of different styles of metal, um, and uh, but more themed in the, like, I guess, kind of black metal as a starting point. Or am, am I correct in that?
1: Yeah, yeah like, basically the one um, when we started, we had Sean Lewis singing for us. The, the idea was to, like, start a band that sounded like a cross between turmoil and dissection, and it failed miserably at first. And, it's an uh, interesting
0: combination, by the way.
1: Yeah, we 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 were like, you know, nerds that were like into both of like no one's doing this. So we we tried and we failed and we ended up becoming a black metal band over the years and then just kind of like evolved into like a, a death metal band as we got older and better musicianship and things like that. Right. And
0: so you play guitar, correct?
1: Uh not anymore actually because um we I have two guitar players who are much better than me and uh, I do vocals. we had a, I was playing guitar for a very very long time and then The other guy who I got to replace another person who quit was writing songs that were so good. And I wasn't going to be able to do vocals and play them at the same time. And so I had to find someone who could do the guitar playing because I wanted to hold on to the vocals.
0: But you've played in a bunch of different genres before you have played in hardcore bands. You've played in noisy bands, you've played in punk (laughs) bands and all kinds of things. So um, are there other bands out there that uh, you've been in that you might want to point people to?
1: Um. I mean, I used to, the first thing that comes to mind is I actually I used to play in a weird math rock band called Department. And um, I think they have something up. Um, as far as stuff that's like out there, like I did a lot of I've, I've done a lot of stuff, but not a lot of stuff is out there. I did a dialysis, which I'm still doing, which I'm really, uh, we have a lot of fun with, which is like me and Ryan Canavan and the drummer from Ebony Sorrow. Yeah. And um, yeah. it's it's basically we call it like, a, it's like a comedy show with blast beats. Right. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've been in
0: bands like that before uh, we had one in Indiana called Bosch to do oblivion. Nice. Um, <laughs> so uh, kind of similar thing. Yeah. Um, but so you're uh, from Syracuse and for people like, we can't assume that, cause a lot of my listeners are people who are uh, come to this from, um, from books and reading, and we're introducing people to Uh, What I want to kind of do is introduce people to like somewhere where they can discover metal music if they um, have not, you know, they don't have a really good source for the new stuff, the good stuff. Uh, Bukowski, for those who don't know, uh, is somebody that I follow. Just his playlists from the podcast is a really good place to find music because you just drill down on that stuff. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's talk about how you got into music in general, because A lot of this journey is, you know, for us as people who got into weird music or extreme music, um, now it's easy to get into it because it's on the internet. But, you know, we come from a time before it was as ubiquitous as the internet. How did you get into, was it hardcore or metal
1: first that you got into? Um, I would say it was metal first. Um, I started off, my, my dad played a lot of prog records when I was a kid. And I got like, so I was like, I was, my favorite band of all time is still Genesis. You know what I mean? It's the yeah. one thing that me and my dad agree on. <laughs> right. but, um, but and so I got really into that. And then I eventually got into uh, a lot of the more aggressive hip hop because that's what was going on in my neighborhood when I was about like 10 to 10 to 12. And then I heard Anthrax and Public Enemy working together. And that just opened something up for me that I, I could not even explain to you. Um, and I asked for Attack of the Killer Bees for Christmas that my uncle got me. Um, and my mom saw the parental advisory sticker before I could peel it off and made me take it back.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Uh I'm the man was my was one of my first metal records. Um, I got introduced to punk rock and metal at the same time at summer camp and by a guy who we called Psycho Steve at summer camp. And he gave me a tape that had Dead Kennedys and God We Trust Incorporated on one side and Anthrax, I'm the Man on the other side. That's a weird
1: combination.
0: It's a really weird and interesting combination. But um, my first punk rock song was Nazi Punk's Fuck Off. And I thought it was hilarious
1: because of the (laughs) F word. And I mean, the, the message actually still stands today. And how many bands have covered that song? Exactly. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, it's an important one, but. So for you, uh, that anthrax, hearing that combination was key. Now, people should know um, what they may not know about Syracuse. Most people think of Syracuse as a college town because they think first of of the college. But um, Syracuse has a long and storied punk rock and hardcore tradition. And one of the things that I love about our, uh, our homie, Carl Buchner, from earth crisis is that like carl um has recently taken upon himself to really educate people on the history of punk rock in the city because he's much more old school than people realize and um one of the things i love about these smaller towns is that some that sometimes the scenes are hungrier than the big cities and they and in the old school like for in indiana for example, my hometown, we had the gizmos in the seventies as being like the first punk band in Indiana, not in Indianapolis, but in Bloomington in the college town. Right. And the gizmos started it all, but Syracuse has a long punk rock and hardcore tradition. So do, how, how did you just, did you quickly go from discovering metal to finding the scene? Cause I, uh. I'm pretty sure the scene was what got you into being an actual musician, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it was a, it was actually probably about five or six years before I would probably discover actually probably four or like five years before I would discover hardcore. Um, my neighbor who I was friends with was dating a girl and she was a hardcore girl and she lent me Life Love Regret and Snapcase's looking glass self. And um I put on Life Love Regret and you know i I really dug like the whole vibe of it, like the black on black, like the weird zine inside it. And but my first initial reaction is like Wow, this kind of this sounds like death because I was like through a lot of death at the time. I'm like a 17 year old kid. I don't know much better, and um, but I really connected with that. And then she snuck me out of the house to go see Bloodlet and Dead Guy at The Lost Horizon, and then um, uh, you know what I mean. And I, but like when Blood Runs Black, I was like, at that show. that show. So yeah. I'm, is, like, I'm actually pretty sure happened. I was at that show. That show I was was, in Syracuse at the time. So oh my, it was. That show was such a game-changer for me. Like, 454 Big Block opened. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Yep. The guy thinks he's Henry Rollins. I was and then, definitely there for that show, yep. Yep. Then when BRB came out, there's Mark with his long hair swinging, and Dan screaming. I was like, okay, this is for me. And it just kind of, like, escalated from there.
0: Right. Well, yeah, and I should note that I used to live in Syracuse, so for people... <laughs> if you're wondering why I was at this random same first show that (laughs) (laughs) John was at, uh, during that era, I was living in Syracuse. So, um, and I remember that show because I definitely wanted to see dead guy. I was kind of wanting to see bloodlet, but I remember I went with Pete Spielman and he will, he, he liked big block. So (laughs) like, I remember distinctly going with Pete and Tom to that show. So um yeah, weird. So yeah, small world, right? Uh um, right. we didn't know each other then, but we were definitely at that same show. So yeah. um, but yeah, so the scene, like that, you know, I guess that's it's awesome too. Uh shout out uh Unbroken from here in San Diego. Um <laughs> that uh although they lived uh much further south than where I live right now, uh at the time in the area. But you know, uh, shout out to Unbroken.
1: Yeah, I just... actually um interviewed Stephen and Andrew Miller from Unbroken for an episode, and I started to nerd out with him for a second. I was like, I was like, listen, before we start this, I need to tell you how much life love grab me. he just said, "Go stop." He's like, I can't do this. I'm like, and I fell back. He goes, I'm just fucking with you. Go ahead. And, and okay. I, was like, I was like, oh my god, you know, like my heart sank. But like he was like he he caught me off guard.
0: <laughs> I had a science fiction writer do that to me Um that I interviewed uh, Norman Spinrad. He's like in his late seventies and he's been one of my favorites and he's been writing since the sixties. And the very first question I asked him, he said, that's a dumb question. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, Oh shit. But it was terrible, but he warmed up and it became a good interview, but it was funny because I was just reading some um, interview where somebody was talking about him and they were saying he was like the grumpiest person on earth. And I was like, oh, shit, I walked right into that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, so though. So your, your musical education, did you start playing uh, music? right away playing guitar did you how um, did you decide that you wanted to be a part of it was it going to the shows was it what was it, it like? was
1: definitely going to the i always wanted to do it but i never really had the gear you know i came from a family that didn't have a lot of money so i we definitely didn't have the ability to get a guitar or anything like that so um eventually i would end up um buying a cheap bass and off of a friend in high school and um, i kind of learned to play that way uh, just kind of like by ear. And then eventually I got a guitar, um, cheaply from another friend and I learned how to drop tune. And once I learned how to drop tune, you know what I mean? I figured I could play Snapcase and integrity, like, it was all over with.
0: Right. And there was plenty of people starting hardcore bands in that era in, in the, <clears throat> in the area. So, um, there were plenty of opportunities to fill in for bands, playing bands, try things out and, yep. um, Yeah, so Syracuse in that era for people who don't know, uh, the biggest straight edge band in the world, Earth Crisis, was kind of the anchor, the hardcore scene. But there was also a lot of, uh, like early on, there was was your solstice, your green rages, but eventually your Santa Sangres, your another victims. Um, But Syracuse had uh, an active and wild enough of a scene that we had people traveling from all over the world who just wanted to see shows in Syracuse, which is still mind boggling to me. But, um, you know, we had people stayed at our house from all over Europe and Brazil and New Zealand and shit that were just coming to see American hardcore and they wanted to see in Syracuse. So don't poo-poo us for how important we were
1: at the time. It was, it was a really, really crazy time. Like every band wanted to play here. Like I started going around like, I, said like, I think it was 95 was that first show, but like, so like Solstice had been done, like Green Rage had been done, like there was no more Framework or Gatekeeper or anything like that. But Earth Crisis, you know, like they're still going strong on my first Earth Crisis show. They had, was their first one back from the accident.
0: Oh, and, really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that was my first time seeing them. Um, so, but I still saw for like a long time, like Hellfest or Syracuse Fest was a perfect example of that. Like so many people came from all over the place uh, to, to come to Hungry Charlie's to see like, you know, like harvest and endeavor and birthright and call us and like snapcase and dissolve all the same three days you know and it was it was an amazing time
0: yeah um yeah the last time i saw day of suffering was in that room and hungry charlie's uh one of my favorite bands in uh, that era who by the way recorded their album in syracuse
1: I know. And, you know, I'm so mad because after the gun went off during Endeavor, like we decided to leave because we thought the show was canceled. And then we heard that it finished off. So I missed Day of Suffering. I missed the despair set. I missed Hapriot. I missed like the whole second half after the gunfire. Right. And so I never got to see Day of Suffering. I'm so bummed about that. It wasn't their best show,
0: but at the same, they were already starting to like kind of be over it at that point, unfortunately. But um yeah that was uh that was a crazy crazy weekend so um what he's referring to is I think somebody like popped off a gun I don't think they fired at somebody they shot in the air or something
1: they, I don't they really... shot in the air in the alleyway some sort of beef went on and like um someone like drove up a distance and so there was some sort of beef and and like pepper spray ended up getting sprayed and outside of the cover- came inside the club and um there's actually a video of it happening. Um, the guy from Harvest does a, uh, a video thing on YouTube called 25 after, and he puts up shows 25 years after the date he like, he filmed every show that he ever like went on tour with, with Harvest. And so he has like the whole gun thing going off during the endeavor set that I watched pretty recently. And it was kind of amusing.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, I, uh, Yeah, it's a really fascinating time for if you, you know, of just I get kind of curious whenever I talk to friends who grew up like Rob Pennington was on the podcast and we talked a lot about the history of Louisville hardcore because I'm interested in when I talk to Daniel Mahoney, I always I always grill him about Orange County hardcore. And like, you know, it's weird when you get these myths dispelled, too, because like for like decades, I've. Thought of Chain of Strength as an Orange County hardcore band and he was like oh those dudes were all from Riverside and I'm like which is like an inland town like an hour away and it blew my mind that <laughs> after all these years to find out that Chain of Strength was not an Orange County hardcore band that they're from San Bernardino County it's like finding out you know it would be like finding out that Solstice was from Rochester or something um, but yeah, it blew my mind. uh anyways, so it's a curious and interesting um time because like when like now people watch shows online and like every like anytime a band plays anywhere, you can be like, oh well, I'll see their set on YouTube or whatever. like and that didn't happen. But back then we had to travel, you know, ten hours to see a show. We did it all the time. And, you know, I was familiar with Syracuse from my first Syracuse show was the Firestorm Record release show at The Lost. Um, And so I saw Green Rage um, at that show and Solstice and all that. And, you know, uh, Bloodlet, when they were still much more hardcore, played that show, Chokehold, uh, who I still don't like and never did. Um, But whatever. Anyways. (laughs) <laughs> um Syracuse was a weird and crazy and interesting place, so you know I'm sure it had a huge impact on like the alchemy that makes up your musical taste,
1: right. <laughs> oh absolutely and like without a doubt especially because at the time there was so much going on musically as well like there was a lot of hardcore bands that like all sounded different from each other and a lot of them had a metallic edge like you know what i mean like bloodlet and integrity and earth crisis none of them sounded like each like, other. you know what i mean like we yeah. had bands like 108 and overcast who were just like doing their own thing and it's, everything was just absolutely like creative and crazy and whenever someone put out a new bit like a record it was something you'd never heard before everything was just like breaking this new ground and it was like you just absorbed it all, and you tried to do everything at once, and uh, you know what I mean. When I was playing, I was like, oh, "I want to sound like this, and this, this, and this," and and you never end up like you really sound like anything, you know what I mean? Like when you're like a 18 year old kid trying to figure it out. Um, but it was, uh, it was just, it was. I, I look back on those times, and I wouldn't have ever wanted to like grow up anywhere else or at any other time, honestly, just because of the, the, it was magical. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and it's interesting because. I get so fascinated in, in hearing about these local scenes because before the internet, it's like, that's why whenever I hear, whenever anyone plays me a band of any kind, the first question I have is, is where are they from? Mm-hmm. Right. Like I want to know, I don't care. They're members of this or that. I just want to know what city they're from because I'm always interested in how regional sounds develop. And for example, in hardcore at the time, like there was a Louisville sound ish, you know, there was um, a Midwestern sound. There was New York City hardcore sounded a certain way. Boston had a really angry, edgy vibe. Syracuse had the metallic hardcore. Like you know, Clevo had their definite sound. So if you look at all these areas, like they had their sounds, and it was really curious and interesting to think about. You know, before the internet, what town you were in, even like metal, like, you know, Gotenberg, you know, Sweden had a certain sound, you know, like where you came from, Florida death metal had a sound. And that's why things like Cannibal Corpse being from Buffalo
1: is just weird because it's like, they sound like Florida band and they moved there. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's that they knew where they were supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like originally Morbid Angel were a North Carolina band as well. And and they're they're like, well, we, they got to go where the hotbed is. is. I'm like, like JD moved from California to Syracuse because he wanted to play hardcore. You know what I mean? So it's, it's people definitely, um, they go where they have to go. And I get that. You know what I mean? But I've always felt right. Perfectly here. So.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But, you know, I think we've lost a little bit of that because if you're, if you're, um, if you're a kid that's into 90s hardcore now, right? And there are kids that are retroactively, you know, mm-hmm. retro kids that like that stuff or whatever, you can find it online. So you can find Gatekeeper uh framework, Earth Crisis, early stuff, whatever, that's all available, but at the time everything was so regional like you weren't you might have seen a band on tour in the summer They might've come through in the summer, but the bands you were seeing routinely all the time, like, for example, if you're living in Louisville, you're seeing in Kendall falling forward and, and endpoint like over and over again. So if you start a band, you're likely going to end up sounding like that band where, where that's why the regional thing was like that. And it's not like that anymore. I just, you know, I don't think so. So I think it's a fascinating and curious way that music has changed since then to now, you know, but.
1: I agree. What I think is really fascinating is when you take people from like all over the world and they're doing everything digitally, they're not even getting in a room and writing together anymore. You know what I mean? People are just like like shipping off a riff, like say like I'm writing here in Syracuse I could like ship it off to like somebody in Sweden to put drums to and they could ship it off to somebody in Poland like if these people could never actually meet each other and have any yeah. of that what they're about and they're they're making this art and then at the same time it's it's interesting because it's got like you know it's got the Swedish guitar sound but it's got like the uh the overly triggered Polish drum sound and and things like that so things like the hybrids are happening but at the same time it feels like it's losing authenticity
0: I would agree too and 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 like speaking to somebody who is creating a thrash metal song with a dude in Scotland right now right now I can't really talk a lot of shit but like you know um I think uh there's something to be said about musicians being in the room and writing together and like having like the sweat together and it's I get it if there's bands that are legacy bands like I don't think earth crisis or integrity like that they all need to be sitting in the same room to like get the vibe together to go play some shows but you know and i understand that life like they've you know you've already started but i would think young bands have to have that genesis period where they're like in the room sweating together just my personal opinion but i I do think there's something lost
1: you know i feel like you're not really in a band and so you've been sitting there arguing with another member and one of them storms out when you've done that, then you, then then you're officially a band. You know what I mean? Like like, that's, you can, you can be best friends in the world. You know what I mean? once you start like sharing art, there's compromises that need to be made and sometimes it doesn't go smoothly.
0: (laughs) Right. Now we've talked narrowly about how you got into things, but like you have a wide variety of, of metal that you listen to. Like as far as you're one of the people I know that just like, literally listens to everything and like you take take on musical projects all the time like um to make sure you're listening to things and to explore these things um can you tell me some of your philosophy or theories on that and how you like kind of got into that and that how that led to doing a dangerous meeting
1: um basically it's just like there's so much metal and, and there's just so much music out there that i just i feel like i have to get my hands i want i at least want to like hear all of it and i and i never will and that kind of is what keeps me going it's like i'm still finding bands from like 1984 that i had no idea yeah. existed i'm like wow this is incredible you know what i mean so at the same time it makes it hard to keep up with what's current when you're still trying to dig around for like little nuggets from like your own era you know what i mean yeah. um so it's uh, i i luckily have a job where i can like drive around and listen to a lot of things and like and try a lot of things out so I can like listen to uh, listen to what I need to, and be like, okay, I want to play this on the show. I want to play this on the show, and not to mention, I I just I spent way too much money on physical media, mm-hmm. and uh, because I became I became addicted to that. Because when I lived with my parents, like, I would always kind of have to hide it, you know what I mean? Right, like, because I, right. I grew up in a very Christian home, so like I would have to like hide it and hoard it. So like, like, I don't know. I just really just started going nuts collecting once I moved out, and now I have a separate room of the house that's filled up with everything. Right. <laughs> you know well, and so you
0: do sometimes like you'll do projects like I'm gonna listen to like a hundred records
1: or, oh, or like yeah. one
0: record a day, like and write yeah. about I, it
1: or, I yeah. do that a lot. That keeps me going, absolutely. Um I, I love to do that. Like there was like one year where I was like, okay, I'm gonna see how many albums I listened to this year. And I think I, I think it reached something like sixteen hundred something records that year. It was, it was something absurd. Um, but like and I just like to do that to make sure that I'm like keeping it open, I'm not listening to the same five records over and over again. And I love the social media aspect of it because then I can be like, someone will be like, Oh, I've never heard that record. Or, Oh, if you like that record, you should check out this record that you've never heard because when you're putting up 1600 different records, chances are that someone's going to recommend 400 that you've never heard.
0: Yeah. And look, you're, I've found records that I've listened to from, from following you online and being like, okay, that's weird. I've never heard of that one. Or that sounds interesting. Um, and uh definitely i always look at your playlist for dangerous meeting even though like um i have only listened to a couple episodes but i always look at the playlist i always do and i'm always curious Thank you. what people um what people pick you know and uh like what themes they go for and things like that and and uh you know it, it, it's always curious to me like how people do that and um I liked that I was it Carl who did all Syracuse bands yeah. yeah yeah he did like, he
1: did, like uh, different Syracuse strange bands over the years and like a couple of them that I'd never heard of like um I wish I could remember the name of the first one they wrote the song ET rules the pit and I can't remember the name of the band at this moment
0: oh yeah yeah that was new to me too that was like pre everything like yeah 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 that was that was hilarious I did I, you know of course I listened to that episode with Carl but um, oh of course uh, uh, I uh, you know I'm endlessly fascinated by the like I've said already like the history of scenes and because I shortly lived in Syracuse for about four or five years like when I was there I was always asking questions about the scene before my time because I was curious about it and so it's funny because I've had people say to me like why do you know so much about like Syracuse before you lived there and it's like well I do the same thing with San Diego right when I'm here and I just think it's good to like I think that history of that lost music scene is so important because for me there's a bunch of bands from Indiana that I fucking love that I wish more people knew of but they just don't know them because they're they didn't have like a huge impact out of their city and so Syracuse does have like a a really great music scene
1: I've That's always terrific. said that Syracuse is like the hidden gem of music in in like in like the world because we have all sorts of great music of all different genres here. If you're into like explosions in the sky and like that whole like post metal thing, we've got Only The Burning River. If you're into like the whole the hardcore thing, it's continued on. You know what I mean? Like Deal with God and All for All and like Street Hassle are all doing it really well. Like um, there's, there's death metal bands, there's black metal bands. It's, it's continued on. But the problem is, and I call it Syracuse syndrome. We have the greatest talent, but nobody can tour because everyone has other obligations. So it's forced to stay here in the city.
0: Right. Well, but, but see, but that's what I'm saying, and, and I've talked with you about this is I feel the same way about Indiana. I can look at Indiana and say, like, we've had a couple breakout bands, split lip, burn it down, whatever. But like we have an amazing or Time in Malta, for example, is a band that came from Indiana that moved away and then became Love that like, band. right. And so like two of the guys in time, okay, so the bass player from Time in Malta before he he was in Burn it Down, but he had a grindcore band when he was growing up called Blatherskite that I know I've I've preached to you, but Blatherskite, when I was growing up, was one of the best metal bands to see live and their sound is like this insane weird cross between thrash grind and death metal but it's not any one of the three okay. and it's an example of like people from Indiana like we'll, when we talk about Blathersky we'll just be like oh dude Blathersky the same way probably like people in Syracuse do about Blood Runs Black right yeah Blood Runs Black
1: or Violent Fury
0: Violent Fury is another yeah And so for Indiana, we have two uh, like there is also we have a drop dead, not the same crust punk drop dead that everyone knows. We had a thrash metal drop dead that is hilariously goofy thrash metal. But everyone from Indiana, just like if you talk about Indiana's drop dead, they're just like, oh, yeah, dude, drop dead were amazing. And they opened every thrash show that came through. So every big thrash band, DRI, Slayer, whoever, like drop dead played those shows. And it was amazing, and so I feel the same way about Indiana that you do about about Syracuse. Rob Pennington feels the same way about Louisville. I'm telling you, like it's one of those cool things that you discover when you move to other places that, like, there are these hidden bands and gems. And I'm not just I'm not degrading what you've got in Syracuse. You're right, but I'm just saying that there are other. I think it's everywhere. I think the underground before our time or before the internet is just an untapped crazy thing. And there's like you said, there's still music to discover. And that's one of the cool things I think. about it.
1: And even it's... when you have like things like Bandcamp, you know what I mean? Like there's so many bands out there on Bandcamp. camp. You, you could look up like on any city and there's bands that you didn't even know existed. If you live there who have like, Oh, look, they've been doing it for 10 years. Here's like four full records. Like who the hell are these guys?
0: Right. Right. So you were doing these projects, but how did Dangerous Meeting start? So you started like, you're like obviously like the, like you're such an encyclopedia of metal that the idea of you doing a radio show and by the way, before we get into this, one of the reasons, I, I guess I've I've kind of, I've moved over one of the issues that's one of the things we've always bonded on and it's important to the show. The
1: fucking this king.
0: The first times we ever talked in the late '90s is because someone told you David is a massive King Diamond fan.
1: <laughs> I, I believe that was Ryan Canavan. It was either Ryan Canavan or Maynard. One of those. One of those two. And it's true. I was <laughs> a massive, and it's
0: funny because Spotify Shuffle just played uh, "Egypt" by uh, A Merciful Fate when I was about to get out here and i was like it's reading my mind it knows it knows i yes i am a massive king diamond and merciful fate fan and part of the reason why is i'm a horror guy right right and he tells horror stories and i've always loved king diamond saw king diamond in 99 in new york city um and so our first conversation like in the 90s you came up to me at a hardcore show and was like um hey, I heard you're really into King Diamond. That's awesome. And I remember we nerded out about Merciful Fate and King Diamond for like probably 40 minutes.
1: Yeah, um, I remember that. And I remember because it, it was at the Westcott Community Center and I could I could see it. It was at the Westcott Community Center and uh, he so you're standing with, he was running a distro at the time. His name uh, his name slips me. He was running a, a I, can't, I can't remember the name of his distro, but he was selling all vegan straight edge hardcore stuff. Shane Labors. Uh, yes, yeah Shane. Yes, Shane. And I bought a Culture CD off of him, and he said to me, "I hope you know you just bought garbage." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, I love this." So, like, and then um, and we uh, we got to talking about King and uh, and things. <laughs> and yeah, they went from there.
0: Have you ever heard the Day of Suffering story about Culture? No, um, it was the same fest that the gun went off the the Hungry Charlie's fest, and a, um. John from Day of Suffering and I were standing outside talking to Carl Buechner and this was when Carl had a beeper on him because his son Charles was about to be born and um, we were sitting outside talking to Carl and these like really like corny looking vegan strange kids came and sat down and were just like listening to us talk and John and Carl were talking, John from Day of Suffering, the singer and um, he goes by Carrie now but uh john and uh carl were talking and then john just was like he's like oh my god this fest is driving me nuts all the bands are fucking terrible and culture and morning again were literally about to play like an hour later and then carl tried like knowing that these kids were in culture and morning again were sitting there like trying to like He's like, oh, well, he's like, yeah, but the Florida bands are really good. I'm really excited <laughs> about the Florida bands. And John didn't know that the culture guys were sitting there and he's like, are you talking about culture? That band sucks. They have a song about deforestation called Deforestation. Why don't I write a song about abortion called Abortion? That's stupid. And those dudes are sitting there like ugh. That's or funny. He was like, and it was so funny because then one of the dudes is like, I'm in culture. And John looks at him and goes, Sorry, dude, your band sucks. <laughs> and it was so funny. That's how they got the reputation for being egomaniacs and and cocky, the day of suffering guys, is because of that situation. Oh
1: my God, that's, that's so funny. It's like um there was probably Damien, he probably took it on the chin and laughed, but I actually interviewed Damien. Uh, probably like 40 episodes ago, which was a, uh, he was a singer for Culture and uh, for Morning Again for a little bit. And Shai Halud and Ask Friends Ross and stuff. And uh, he was actually a really, really cool interview. He's doing a death metal band with, uh, with a drummer from Dismember now. Wow. Yeah. That sounds awesome. interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. I thought he went all post-hardcore, like not into that stuff anymore, but guess oh, not. He-
1: yeah. He's still, he's still, he's still doing the post-hardcore thing, but he's still doing the death metal thing for sure as well. Like the post-hardcore Damien Dunn stuff is actually really good. If you're into stuff like the cure and like slow dive and things like that.
0: Oh, awesome. I'll check it out.
1: Um,
0: well, and so you're, you decided to do this radio show. How did this start? Like, what was, um, what was the formation? I saw of an
1: ad for it online. Actually, they were looking for, uh, for DJs and, uh, I knew Greg Yeti was doing his show. He's uh, plays in the Flashing Astonishers, who were like uh, my bloody Valentine style band around here for like 30 years now. And um, he was doing a show of like playing all that sorts of stuff. So I reached out to their owner. I was like, hey, I have an idea for this show. And um, I, was, I would interview people from Syracuse. And I would like talk about like five songs that made them want to play, you know, and kind of be like different, a different kind of interview. Because they'll be more open to talk about like other bands music than their own. Because people get awkward when you're talking about your own music. You know what I mean? yeah but you could you always remember that first time you heard your favorite song and it's always a great story to tell and so i figured that would be a really really great show and so i did like i ran through so many local people and then like people started being like oh you should start getting bigger people so i kind of like maybe i should and i started reaching out to a couple and people started agreeing so now i I kind of go internationally as well as local and like some of the some of the interviews have been really really funny and i uh there's definitely ones that none of them have gone terrible but there's definitely ones that i prefer over others (laughs)
0: Right. Well, as somebody who's done that, like, uh, well, for, you know, I cover retro science fiction, mostly from the 60s and 70s through dickheads. And so twice I've had like 80 year old science fiction writers on and like one was this guy, Barry Maltzberg, who's like he wrote really naughty science fiction in the 60s and 70s right (laughs) and uh but he's in his 80s now and he also wrote erotica on the side of it under a pen name and a really interesting guy but when the interview started like the first questions i asked he kept saying like i wrote an essay about it you can read it (laughs) and i was like that's not how interviews work dude right right You know, I'm sure you had to learn a lot about interviewing. Do you, you feel like you've gotten better at it? As I've, I've gotten like... a
1: lot better along the way, absolutely. Like, like, like that's why it was great to start with my friends at first because then I can kind of get like more comfortably doing it. You know what I mean? Like my first interview was Jocko, and like he and I like have been friends for years, so it was cool to go to his house and set it up. But like, I definitely made a lot of mistakes over the years. Um, like set, like especially like technologically wise, like setting up microphones, like leaving the cell phone on during the interview, like, 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 um just asking awkward awkward questions that like things like that but um you you learn as you go along to make things right yeah i guess
0: <laughs> yeah and so you always open the show uh so the show is called a dangerous meme which if people don't know is uh Verse, a merciful a fate. Song. yes and best metal band in the damn world yeah and so you're Yeah, your favorite band in the world is Merciful Fate. And so you always play either a Merciful Fate or a King Diamond song at the beginning of every show, which, of course, I respect um, (laughs) immensely. Um, And then uh, from there, you go to the theme of, like, whoever you're interviewing, and then you do um, their playlist, and you make a playlist. Mm -hmm. And um, usually, I'm sure you do playlists related to something similar to what the guests... Uh, yeah,
1: a, a, lot of, a lot of times i lean that way sometimes i just i, I go off the cuff because i'll get like a whole bunch of new singles that are all over the place that i'll want to play so it'll, it'll kind of like be like a a weird salad but more often than not, i do like to kind of like go with a the theme like i just did a edited one today for uh for butcher babies and it's gonna be it's very a lot of like female and like fun punk oriented stuff as well so
0: yeah oh that's cool yeah um and it's interesting because y- you find the the digital ways that people do things like how do you find like not new a n-e-w new metal uh because for hardcore i found like there's a youtube channel this guy brutal youth and like he literally puts up every hardcore demo or seven inch from around the world like like almost on a daily basis so you can always like there's always like a new seven inch like pretty much every day and they're mostly garbage, but like one out of every like 20, I'm like, this is really good. I'm gonna follow this band. I'm gonna find this band on Spotify or Bandcamp. Um so you get like you know one out of every 20 I like to be honest. Right. But I check I check them all out and most and my biggest problem is most of the vocals these days are terrible. I can't Mm -hmm. most people who sing for hardcore bands shouldn't um this day and age. Um they don't have the voices for it but how do you find uh metal these days like what's your main way of doing it you because you're still a, open, guy.
1: Um, a lot of times i follow labels you know what i mean like um yeah. anything that comes out on dark descent is going to be good um iron bonehead puts out some pretty good stuff and then you kind of like look at like i don't know like maybe like what t-shirts those guys are wearing inside the seat like the way that i used to it as a kid you know what i mean or like my friend alex is a complete nerd for what's going on in like other countries like finland and in the death metal scene and he's always like sending me like links like oh dude you gotta check this band out you gotta check this band out and a lot of times he's right but a lot of times like you know like band names are getting like so crazy that i can't really remember them all you know what i mean they sound like they're the names of medications that's right uh,
0: yeah well yeah it is it is, it is funny i think I did a post recently about there was some band name that I was like this is a sign that we've gone way too far on the on the band name thing, <laughs> like you know. Um, but what are um, are there any new bands that are right now like your your super passion? Oh
1: man, I got I could go on for a long time. Like but recently, I just bought the new Thanafaxes um they are a completely anonymous band no one knows who they are where they're from but they play like a cross of like like scathing black metal like um like kind of like doom laden like i've never really heard anything else like it if you like stuff like death spell omega you would really like that um but i've been playing a lot of the classics lately honestly like um i just bought a i just bought another copy of napalm death harmony corruption because i lost my tape over there like a long time ago and i saw that it just was there at the record store i said screw it and i grabbed that and I've been playing that quite a bit, and um, just lots and lots of things have been coming out lately. Um, I'm trying to think, like the uh, the Abyssal Ellerseth split. Um, it's really cool. It's like one, like two bands from the UK that are like really, really dissonant death metal. Um, that's really good. Um, the Moonlight Sorcery EP. It's uh, another black little band from Finland. If you're into things like like a uh, Dimmu Borgir without the cheese, like like back in the day. Um, I got man. This is was a good, there ever movie.
0: a time that Dimmu Borgir did not have the cheese?
1: Yes. Well, it, it depends on what you consider cheese and black metal. You know, I mean, there's, there's a certain yeah. amount that you allow. You know what I mean? Like you, you allow the corpse paint in the forests and the Satan and all that. Like, but once you get to <laughs> like the, the, the part where you're like, you know, mortise or you're like, like immortal, like running around, making goofy faces in the woods, you know what I mean? Like, then that, that, that's a little too cheesy. But like, yeah, early people gear, the first two records, like uh, Stormblast and um, For All Tid. They are very, uh, they are very straightforward, like no gimmick black metal records.
0: Yeah. And I admit, I don't deep dive as much into the music as, as I used to. I listen to mostly the big bands and stuff like that. I'm a huge, uh, like Catatonia is one of my favorite bands. Um, I've been on a, I've been on a Nevermore kick lately. Um, and uh, as the new Mashuga album, I think is, um, It's awesome. It's really, really good. Um, so, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't, Dig as deep, but a lot of times when I see bands on your playlist, I'll like go check them out. So like, yeah, and do find them. So you know, what's your system of like choosing songs for the show?
1: Oh man, um, it's (laughs) it's basically like it's usually like like two or three days beforehand, and I'll sit there and I have like a whole my whole collection loaded into iTunes. You know what I mean? And so I'll just kind of be like, okay, like there's 2000 artists to choose through here. What, what, what are we going to do? You know what I mean? And I'll be like, okay, well, first of all, what's the theme and I'll go through and I'll have like, you know, limited down to maybe like a hundred and be like, okay, let's pick out things that aren't like 15 minutes a piece. And then weed all that out. And then like, usually a lot, a lot of it's very, very random or and a lot of it is what I'm listening to at the time. And i on repeat.
0: Right. So, um, and when you're, so do you have any like dream guests or people that you're working on or people that you would like, you know, I mean,
1: obviously King diamond is yes. uh, it w- he, he would be like the ultimate. Um. But yeah, man, there's, there's people who I would really love to do. I would, I would like to talk to Alex Webster. I think that would be really cool. Um, I think it would be really great to talk to Hank Sherman from Mercer State, honestly, as well, just because like, he's like, he's my favorite like heavy metal guitar player of all time. And yeah. there's, I, there's just so many people who I would, I would love to talk to you. Know what I mean? I would like love to talk to Chuck Billy from Testament. Mm. Yeah, I'd like. I
0: yeah, anybody involved. Testament's my favorite thrash band. So, and like up there with my favorite metal bands of all time. And I think, Boy, dude, I couldn't believe their new drummer too. Like that, they found somebody who's younger who could fill it. <laughs> I thought they would have to have Chuck hoagland or Dave Lombardo for the rest of eternity that they would never be able to have anybody else.
1: And, right, I see I didn't even know that they found somebody. Last I knew that they had Dave Lombardo but he had said that he wasn't going to do it anymore for one reason or another. I hadn't heard an announcement that they had found someone else, so I'm glad that they did.
0: They found a guy doing like drum covers of uh like he was from the Boston area and he's a young dude who was doing drum covers of songs off um he did like Children of the Next Level and like um I can't remember what other song, but like, and they flew him out and had him do a uh, rehearsal and like, he's killing it in Europe now. <laughs> like,
1: That's awesome. You know, he's got some shoes to fill, man, because like, you know, Hoagland's no slouch. No, he did some he's really good work best. on those
0: records. Yeah. He's one of the best drummers of all time. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, okay. So, well, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I love nerding out with you a little bit. Um, so um, I one thing I want to do is I want you to give me a list of, fi- of five Syracuse bands that you want me to dig dig deep into and my listeners to dig deep into. And then I'm going to give you five Indiana bands.
1: That sounds fair. But man, five series, Sy- five bands. So that's trying to so I what, just what... hit you with this so I can go first if you want me to. Yeah, but well, 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 I'm not going
0: just... just metal. By the way, I'm just—you yeah, gonna... know
1: what? I'm, honestly, I'm not going to go just metal either. So, okay. so, go so right we're ahead.
0: gonna we're we're gonna challenge each other to find and and it's gonna be a little well because I know some of the bands from Syracuse, so you know you don't have to do Blood Runs Black with me because
1: right. I saw Blood
0: Runs Black and and all that. But um
1: do you have a first band? I'll do. We can do one, one and one. Okay, um, the first thing that comes to mind is it's a band that's no longer together. Um, The band is called Black Throat Wind. And if you like things like, uh, I don't know, maybe like like Built the Spill or um, Me Without You kind of thing, but but it really, really has its own thing going on. They only did one demo and one full length, but that one full length is so damn good that I would recommend it to anybody who likes any sort of indie rock whatsoever.
0: So what was the name of the band again?
1: Blackthroat Wind, Blackthroat Wind.
0: Okay, and they're from Syracuse. Okay. Yep. All right. So I already mentioned them, but I'm going to mention them again. And I've tried many times to. I, I need you to sit down and listen to a Blatherskite album. I will. I. They had, and I will give you a song that you can start. the The Rotting Carcass of Christ. It's an environmental song. You wouldn't believe it, but that's and. It you should know that Todd from Time and Malta, the bass player, singer of Time and Malta, that this was his grindcore thrash band um, when he was growing up. And but you could go to YouTube. There's a a, a live like at, at a like cable access version of them playing a show. But Blatherskite's live shows were amazing. They were incredible. And they're, they're a weird band because they they have blast beats and they do grindcore sometimes, but sometimes they have like really thrashy parts. And sometimes they get to death metal, but mostly they're screamy, screechy. You'll love it. So, so my, my first one is Blathersky. Okay, your number two Syracuse band.
1: Um, my number two circuit would be a new band called Easy Blame. Um, it actually features the bass player from Ed Gein, and the drummer used to play. He's like, the drummer's actually like one of my best friends for a long time, Brando, and he played in a band called Mouse House, and we did a band called Ocean Spawn together years ago. And uh, they, they're just really, really... It's if you're it's kind of like page uh, page ninety nine majority rule or city of caterpillar, but it has a much different vibe to it. You uh, know, I I really wouldn't know where to place it. I would put it in the post rock category, but I really wouldn't know who to compare it to. Go, oh, it sounds like this band, um, but it's it's you know they just put out a seven song CD that's really really good, and they're uh, they're great dudes and they're a great live band as well.
0: Okay, that's a good one. All right, so my number two is going to be a mod rock band from Indiana called Steve Kulowski. And their bass player went on to be in a famous um, um, alt alternative band called Antenna that was big in the nineties. Like that was on like 160 minutes, but Steve Kulowski and they had a seven inch called can't find London, which was a hilarious because they sound like the jam but they're from Indiana. And so the song Can't Find London was all about like being a mod in a Midwestern Indiana town. And um, it's really good. Like if you like the jam and that kind of like, and their bass player and drummer were incredible. So they had this incredible rhythm section and then their live shows were amazing. But they used to play a lot of the basement punk shows when I was growing up. And so you can find a few of their songs on YouTube, but they are hard to find. They were amazing. So that's my weird number two. So your number three, we're going for five.
1: Man, my, my number three, man, I, you know, like I would probably have to say like, as far as number three, it's, it's another uh, fairly newish band. Uh, they're called Ritual Atrophy. Um, I actually played bass for them for a little bit, but they're, they're doing like, a, they've done plenty, plenty of stuff without me. Um, it's anti-fascist black metal and um it's it's really cool it's like somewhere between like if you take like elements of like drop dead and mix it with like zaster and uh, it it sounds strange but uh it's it's really good and it, it works real well they've been playing around quite a bit and they're uh they're getting they just got a new second guitar player and they they're a killing machine now
0: <laughs> wow okay So I'm going to give you the first hardcore band from my hometown. That was like a real hardcore scene band, not punk rock, not, not like, you know, Mohawks or anything like, like an actual hardcore band and they transitioned and became like, and this band was called with authority and they put out three, seven inches in my hometown, but they were like the anchor to our hardcore scene and, for example i saw them with integrity and and the first time i saw integrity was a with i went to see with authority i didn't know who integrity was um but their first seven inch is bad punk rock their second seven inch sounds like the crow mags and then by like they sound like stoner metal on their last record uh okay. but like heavy as shit like super heavy and their last drummer was bob uh fouts who recently passed away was the drummer from Burn It Down, Knock Mystium, uh yeah. Gates of Slumber. But Bob played in With Authority before all those bands. And with Authority Seven Inch, I'm gonna point you to they their second seven-inch system screwed. The the title song to me sounds like the Chrome Mags. And I think it's good, good shit. But like. Um, and I saw they opened for earth crisis one time in 94, but, um, in Indiana, but outside of Indiana, I don't think I've never heard anybody talk about with authority, but they're super important in my hometown. So they're not even like that important to Indianapolis an hour away because I barely played there, but for Bloomington, they were really important. So that's my number four, your number four.
1: Okay right. my uh, my number 4 would actually uh be a band that my brother is in with uh with your friend Carl called Apocalypse Tribe and uh they've got like a really cool like Warzone meets Megadeth thing going on. You know, it's got Carl from Earth Crisis on vocals, Corey from Slapshot on drums, and they've got this dude Elliot on bass who sounds like he could be like the bass player for Rancid. He plays in like jam bands when he's not doing this, so he's he's insanely insanely talented. Yeah, I've and, heard um, that. I've heard
0: that record actually, and 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 he sounds like he could play like. I, this is actually a. He sounds like he could play in the Dead Kennedys because like, he's playing like really intricate punk rock so yeah he's
1: like, he's insane i know for a while they were talking about covering government flu actually at one point oh um, dude that would
0: be amazing that's one of my favorite dead kennedy songs so
1: yeah and like you know they what they've been doing uh they have they're doing a thing on spotify where they're putting up like a new song every month and i think they've put out maybe like three or four they, they haven't been keeping up on it but there's like three or four new songs they put out this year that are uh pretty cool tunes
0: i have missed that so i'm gonna have to go check that out so i i i love apocalypse travel like what carl's been doing so nice. okay so my number five last indiana band well i kind of already mentioned them but i really feel like it would make your day if you listen to drop dead uh from <laughs> indiana um this is hesher Mosh, like from hell like you cannot imagine listening to drop dead without like that stupid like Parametal metal Hesher mosh thing um, they have uh, they have a mosh part in one of their songs where I swear to God the lyrics are pray for your salvation no one gives a fuck um, it's, to this day it's one of my favorite lyrics ever because it it doesn't make any rhythm sense or anything <laughs> but I have memories of watching Indiana like Hesher moshers singing along to pray for your salvation no one gives a fuck so um <laughs> that's great that song alone i think will make your day uh but as far as like um yeah that that that's one that i i would say you should you should definitely check out so okay yeah you're gonna have to send me
1: links of all these things so i can so i can like check them out and like download them if possible you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah um well you, i'm telling you dude drop dead will will make your day when you hear it it's so ridiculously 80s like midwestern garage rock thrash but great like um yeah it's good it's good 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 stuff uh is there any thrash metal bands from the 80s the syracuse that i'm not where violent fury was the 90s was violent but...
1: fury and there was a band called the third party um who did t- two demos i've only got one of the demos called the party's just begun and it's kind of like a more traditional heavy metal kind of thing um i don't think any of them went on to do anything and there was a band from around here called sacred death that uh they did a lot of touring that um i I, i'm not a great name
0: for a death for a thrash metal band sacred death
1: yeah they did a um god i i've never i remember hearing them and thinking that they were pretty good i've never owned their stuff but there was like the stuff that like the old dudes would talk about oh you gotta check out sacred death and i've only heard a few things here and there but um I remember liking what I've heard.
0: All right. Uh, John Bukowski. Uh, thanks for nerding out with me. Tell the folks how they can find your podcast because it's a radio show in Syracuse, but most yep. of the people here are going to be finding it as a podcast.
1: Oh, uh, yep. You can find it on Spotify and you can find it on like uh, you know, use like the Amazon Alexa, whatever. Um, I'm still waiting on approval from Apple because they are dragging their feet on it. And, uh most uh, most other places other than Apple right now you're able to find the podcast.
0: Yeah. Um I I'm I admit I listen to podcasts on Apple, so I'm waiting for that. But um but yeah, it is uh it's so cool that you're doing this. I think that you um like I enjoyed a lot of the early episodes because of the Syracuse education. Um and uh because you know it's obviously a city i care about and is close to my heart and and the weird music that comes out of there um i think it's insane that the lost horizon still exists um uh have they ever done like rehabbed it or done anything to it or is
1: it okay exactly so the same? Br- a little bit um back in man the early 2000s they painted it all sparkly on the inside and they called it club tundra for a little bit and club 32 degrees and that didn't end up working out so they went under new ownership and they called it the lost Rise again put it they painted it all back and other than that the only real um upgrade they made was they took out the center beam in the stage so it wasn't like obscuring the vocalist anymore
0: Oh, the center beam's a huge part of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, they got they got rid of that.
0: <laughs> the loudest show I ever saw in my life, that Neurosis "I Hate God" tour, uh, that was one of the loudest shows I've I've ever seen in my life. Was was that, at the Lost. So
1: that show was that show was awesome. I had to leave before Neurosis played because the person I was riding with didn't want to. They they wanted to see Overcast, and after I Hate God played, they're like, "Okay, I think I've had enough. We got to go." <laughs>
0: Oh man, that's brutal.
1: That's brutal. Yeah, I've heard everyone say how amazing the Neurosis was, and the one time that I saw Neurosis, I was like, "This is boring as shit." It's like it was like the sun that never sets record. And I don't really like that record. And they played it from front to back. I'm like, "What the fuck? This get done already?" And I never wanted to feel that way about Neurosis before. And when they played in my hometown, it was like for their best fucking record, and it, it kills me.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. That was. That was a show. All right, Book, um, Anything else you want to uh, tell everyone about a Dangerous Meeting? Like anything you got you want to tease coming
1: up? Or um, I mean, like we the one that's uh, going to air tomorrow is going to have the Butcher Babies. Um, I haven't really announced it yet, but after uh, you know, uh, after that will be uh, Matt Kinney from Order of Deceit, and then after that I will be talking to Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest.
0: Wow! Hey, yeah, that's so cool. yeah, some cool things coming up yeah members of megadeth and judas priest and like pretty short time from each other so you
1: know if i get, if i got a told 13 year old me that i'm doing this now i i'd probably find some way to fucking fast forward <laughs> right well you got here so
0: Indeed. um
1: yeah so bud, this is
0: awesome thanks for nerding out on metal with me i'll let you uh, yeah um, anytime it was great to see you man yeah totally um i i uh you know i surprised we got this far into the conversation without talking about king diamond you know like <laughs> well because uh, the thing
1: about king is like if you get me started talking about him you're gonna need to give me another hour at least
0: <laughs> right so we probably don't want to do that but right yeah i mean the the thing is is that um not enough people uh uh realize it's like weird al and king diamond are two of the people that like you people just don't understand the full level of genius that's going on there you know
1: i never thought of the parallel but you might be absolutely
0: right well it's true because they you know people know people know a lot of you know you'll hear bruce springsteen's a genius or you know so and so is a genius but how rarely do you hear those two so all right All right, buddy. Um, it was good to talk to you. Um, and we'll spread the word. A dangerous meeting. Um, new uh, new to the podcast, Airwaves. Uh, get your medal there. Um, and um, how do people follow you online?
1: Uh, right now, I just have an Instagram. Uh, it's a dangerous meeting. That's All right. it.
0: All right. There you go. All right. Follow me on Instagram. And uh, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, thanks, David. All right. Later.